Hey Blockheads, this is Dungeon Master Chris. Battle Bards is back with another opportunity for you, the listeners of the Dungeon Master's Block. Battle Bards has given you, the DMB listeners, a special opportunity to collect some free audio. Take a listen to a little portion of one of the tracks available. This audio is from their not-yet-released Dark Elf City album. If you like what you have heard, head over to BattleBards.com and use these promo codes when checking out. You can use Dark Elf 1, which is valid on offers of $10 to $25 packages. It will earn you one track from the Dark Elf City album. You can use Dark Elf 2, which is valid on any $50 or $100 BattleBards credit package. This earns you two tracks from the Dark Elf City album. And last but not least, maybe you heard it coming, but you can use Dark Elf 3 for offers valid of $150 to $300 packages, which earns you an entire four tracks off the Dark Elf City album. And when you check out using these codes, you're not only helping out Battle Bards, you're not only helping out the DMB, but you are also helping out yourself. So head on over to BattleBards.com now and consider helping yourself out. Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris. And today, it was first mentioned, I believe, on the Player's Block with Rich Howard. We have taken a deeper look into it with the episodes that focused on the end of the Riders of Shemesh campaign and the Dragon Wars campaign. But today, we're going to talk specifically about the Epilogue Night. We're going to talk about ideas you can use for an Epilogue Night, how you prepare for an Epilogue Night, and why Epilogue Nights are just an awesome, awesome idea to use for the end of your campaign. But before we do that, Chris, we have some five-star reviews. This one's from Black Dragon, and they say, It's best podcast, hands down, five stars. One day at work, I got sick of listening to Spotify and decided to see what podcasts were all about. Seeing DMs block near the top of the charts, I was instantly hooked. I've only been listening for maybe a month, and I'm all caught up, averaging four to five episodes a day. Holy smokes, that's a that's a <laughs> lot, lot of listening of time. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I had my first real involvement with D&D with 3.5, but unfortunately, the DM wasn't the best, and after playing in a few sessions, I quit. But your podcast has reawakened something in me. Not only are your hosts informative, they're also funny and easy to relate to. Right from the episode one, I had the urge to run a campaign. Since then, I've been getting so many great ideas and have started to write my own. Still being a novice, the information and tips given throughout have inspired me greatly. My campaign will be starting with a dream sequence and an island. Nice. I've heard so many great ideas for NPCs, enemies, traps, and dungeons that are helping fuel a plethora of ideas for my campaign. 
My favorite so far is building campaigns for Magic cards since I played for the better part of my life. I can't thank you guys enough. You've brought the spark back into my imagination. Keep up all the amazing work. And P.S. Not sure what to listen to now that I have to wait for new episodes. So, hey, that's that's the that's the beauty I think of getting caught up is there's the anticipation for what next. But I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Like, <laughs> oh, I have to wait till next week. It's such a bummer. Now you have time to go check out all the awesome stuff that our guests have and the podcasts yeah. and the books and whatever it is that they have come on to talk about. You can go check out all of that stuff and then come back whenever we drop something new. The next one is our first five-star review from New Zealand, Chris. And New Zealand is better known to us geeks as Middle Earth. That and mountain boarding. That and mountain boarding. And this one comes from Monkey Gerbil 222 Monkey Gerbil 222 says, Makes my drive to work bearable. I've been listening to this podcast every day for the last two weeks on my way to work and have been inspired by all the ideas DM Chris and DM Mitch have been sharing. Even though I have only been playing D&D for the last three months, this show has encouraged me to try my hand at DMing. Overall, a great listen. Yes, thank you so much, Monkey Gerbil 222 Thank you. We really appreciate it. And, I mean, you live in the land of fantasy, so you should absolutely be DMing. Where monkey gerbils may actually be a real animal. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, with that, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? So today we're going to be talking about the epilogue night. First, I just want to talk a little bit about where did the idea for an epilogue night come from? I think this idea came from back when I was playing in college D&D and was DMing for my friends in college. And Chris, we had those 12-hour long days on Saturday that we both miss and do not miss. And cringe about at the same time. <laughs> uh, in, in good ways and bad. Yep. I have always loved movies and I have a love for movies and TV shows. And so I, I remember that whenever we had a different session, I always named them by episode three episode 12 and i do this pretty much to this day i think of like each session as a different episode in a long story we would even when we went on break for christmas we'd have the mid-season finale for like the campaign or whatever it was and so as i grew as a dm and I got really, really into the storytelling element of dungeon mastering and world building and telling a story with your players. I love the idea of first the character creation night and thought of it in the sense of it's kind of like a prologue. You're working with your players together to create the characters that are going to be telling this story. And you kind of make a prologue with your players as you ask them, like, what, what's your background? Let's work on your background together. Let's work on the NPCs. And so I think the idea came from that is, well, if we're going to have a prologue to the campaign, of course, why would we not have an epilogue to the campaign as well? And so I think that's where the idea came from. But I'm really happy that I landed on that. And it's it's just been fantastic having epilogues to campaigns as we've gone along. One thing that I really enjoy about 
both being a player who's done an epilogue, been a part of an epilogue, and being a DM who's also done an epilogue, what I love is when you come to the end of a campaign, you have this moment of like, well, I wonder what would happen, for yeah. example, with Kruror from the Riders of Shemesh campaign. Like, what would have happened to him after, you know, they ended up getting back? You know, does does he just end? Do we not find out what happens through the rest of his mm-hmm. life? And so I loved that moment of like, okay, there is some closure with ending the campaign with a big battle or whatever it is that you do, but there's even more closure when you see what happened throughout the rest of his life for, in in the epilogue. I mean, that's essentially what the epilogue is, is finding out what happened after you were done with your campaign. And so I really like that there's like the the most amount of closure that you can get comes through doing an epilogue night and i love that yeah i i think i've got two completed like big long campaigns under my belt chris you have one we're working towards your second my third and so we've each done at least one epilogue night and i have to say i don't know how you feel about it chris and it might just be because that's the last one we left off with each campaign but yeah i agree like as a player and as a dm the epilogue night usually turns into my favorite night. Yeah. And of course, you need the rest of the story, the part where, you know, you said like, oh, you can just end with a big battle. You can end a campaign. I think a lot of people do end a campaign with, we have finished the goal of this campaign. And so, good job. You have, quote unquote, won this campaign, the end. But like you said, you want to know what happens with your PCs afterwards. You want to know what happens to the world afterwards. And the epilogue night, with that whole story under the belt, it just adds so much seeing what happens with the PCs. And yeah, it's. I think the epilogue night has always been, for me, the most like emotional that we've ever had with each campaign. You get like moments that are just amazing with character development and seeing after these characters have developed over an entire story, seeing where they end off and how they either split ways or say goodbye to each other or whatever it is. I, I love epilogue nights, whether I'm playing or whether I'm DMing them. Well, it's, it's all the emotion that you've had put into that character all being wrapped up at once. Yeah. It's like It's like saying goodbye to somebody that you've known for so long and now you're never going to see them again. Like I know it's I know it's a fantasy realm, but you've like invested a lot of time <laughs> yeah. making these memories with your friends and now you're going to have to start all over and you don't know if it's going to be as good uh, as what it was or or not. So it's it's kind of a it's it's a it's a wrecking night. Yeah, and it definitely like hopefully it will be as good as like the last character you played or the last campaign you ran, but it's not going to be that good right off the bat because that campaign or that character only got that good because you spent like you said hours putting time into them and thinking about who they are or thinking about where the story is going and putting hours into that story. And yeah, you're right. Like I think a lot of people who play D&D, I think everybody who plays D&D and who has played in the long campaign, especially if we're looking at the player side of things, they know that it's difficult to say goodbye to one of their PCs. Like, oh, this I loved this PC and the campaign's done and I won't get to play them again. Maybe you will. Maybe you're going to play another campaign with them. But a lot of times it's like, I won't see them again. I won't play them again. And that's a sad thing. And I think that's one of the reasons I love Epilogue Nights so much because it's not just like, and the campaign's over and we're done. You won't see this character again. But you get to almost say that goodbye 
that that character deserves. You you get to like role play through yourself almost saying goodbye to that right. character. And yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the specifics of an epilogue night, how to do an epilogue night and some advice for making an epilogue night. Yeah, so I think the the first thing to think about is, you know, is the epilogue, is it going to end shortly after the campaign? Because, you know, you have this big emotional buildup to that last night, whether it's solving the final puzzle or defeating the big bad guy or finding the item that you have to have to create. And so you have to think about like, well, what would these characters do? Would they continue mm-hmm. on being a party together? So it could be your party is going back from their big Mount Doom ish experience. And the epilogue is just them journeying back. And that's, it's a short little while. It's them getting through getting at least getting back home. And then that is, that could be the finale, just getting back home. Or you could finish many, many years later where you, your characters get to a point where they can't go on. Like they are just simply too old to go on and be these heroic figures. They, they just simply decide to retire or they they end up passing away. Like that can be a very memorable moment and an actual real end <laughs> to a character, not just simply saying goodbye to them. So if you're going to do that longer, longer time period, or even if you're going to do a short time period, don't be afraid to skip around to different little scenes that would be important for each character to play out. I think that's something to think about when we do these epilogues. Like, give each character their final chance to do something that'll be extremely memorable. That's that's one way that you can go about it. And I know, Mitch, with yours, with the Riders of Shemesh campaign, that was kind of the scene that we all got to partake of, was we each had our one last moment, whether it was Grouthoof having to give up his you know dragon skin armor and leave it with his clan and get on the ship, whether it was Kruor having to close up his family business for the last time, and sail off into the sea, whether it was Rick's having to say goodbye to his family for a while, not knowing if he was going to make it back. And all of these moments were skip. I mean, we skipped around many different things within that timeline, but we gave each character that one chance to, to have that spotlight in, in the campaign. So I think skipping through the years can be a really, really good way to get the full culmination of what somebody's life looked like after the end of your campaign. I once again just want to like bring about my love for movies because Chris, you brought up the Lord of the Rings. They make their way back, but like if you watch the, especially you watch the Return of the King, the movie, you start clapping like twelve different times. Yeah, throughout yeah, yeah the whole exactly. Thing. We've talked. About, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but like Frodo drops the ring in, Sauron is defeated, the goal is accomplished, but then we have fade to black scene, fade to black scene, fade to black scene for like 40 minutes afterwards, which is my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, it, yeah, it's <laughs> great. It's just so such an emotional ride, but it's it's going from scene to scene and tying things up with the characters. And I want to say to DMs out there, don't be afraid. Everybody loves movies. And as you're sitting and playing D&D, everybody hopefully around your table loves storytelling. Don't be afraid to even describe it in a movie-type way. Like you finish one scene and say, and we fade to black and we come back years later. Your character has a little bit of gray is coming into his beard. And then you role play through that years later scene. And then you fade to black again. And you come back and the character is super old and has a long beard, whatever it is, 
don't be afraid to like set it up in that kind of sense. And as the DM, when you're thinking about epilogues, think about those types of scenes from movies. Use them as inspiration. And yeah, like Chris said, don't be afraid to skip around to different scenes throughout the years. You don't like your campaign may have taken place in only a year's time. Maybe it took place in a month's time, in three years' time, whatever it was. That doesn't mean that the epilogue night, the one night at where you play the epilogue, doesn't it doesn't have to go through the same kind of spanning through time as the whole campaign has. You can jump around for years and go to different spots in the characters' lives and see where where they're at in the different years. I mean, that's what we've done, and it's I, I love that kind of stuff. And I, I like I think it's because I'm so my mind is so ingrained in movies. Whenever you're DMing and you're doing that, or I'm DMing and I'm doing that with each of your characters, like that's how I see it in my mind is like the fade to black, different scene in the future. The characters have changed their appearance because they've gotten older. I, I love it, and don't be afraid to do that and to switch around your epilogue. Like Chris said, it can end fairly soon after. The Lord of the Rings didn't really go throughout many years in the epilogue. It was a brief amount of time before they closed it out. And you can do that as well. I think there is an argument to be made that there are stories without epilogues and the greatness in some of those is that you don't know what happens to the characters. But I would say as players in a D&D game, if you're doing a homebrew world, if your characters are invested into their if your players are invested into their characters, they don't want that question to always remain unanswered. And so doing an epilogue night is a way to kind of show what has happened to your PCs. You can of course though end it without answering all the questions. And even let those questions be foretold through the next campaign. Maybe you find something about what happened to the PC or hear a legend or a story. But those are some some thoughts about that throughout the years as well. When you come to an epilogue, I think you also have to ask yourself. <laughs> it's funny that I'm starting talking about this because we all know that DM Mitch likes to split the party. But the I would say <laughs> the king of splitting the party. But I would say that. An epilogue can be, not always, but can be a great opportunity to split the party. The question is, when the adventure is finished, when the goal is reached, the villain is defeated, does the party stay together? Like, I think that the answer for some parties will be yes, we are going to continue on adventuring until we're defeated in battle. Maybe some of the players stay together because that's what they want. And maybe some of the players split off and go a different way because they were in this adventure to complete the goal, but they're not looking to be adventuring their entire lives. Does it make sense for the party to go separate ways? This happened with our riders group. A couple of the adventures I think wanted to stick together, and they did for a time. And Kruor, I believe, was... One of the first to just say, I'm leaving, guys. Yeah, we we had left the city of Arganmore, I think. And it was like, all right, you guys are going straight from here. My home is north. I'll see you later, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> you know, that was that was kind of his reasoning. Like, he's a halfling. Like, he loves his family. He wants to go home because it's been 40 years. Like, he wants to have that connection again. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely cruel. 
Yeah, and and so Kruor left first, and I think Grouthoof and Rick stayed together and for a time because Rick's just had that adventuring spirit, and he was sad to see the group split ways, and uh, so he stayed with Grouthoof until Grouthoof got consumed with everything going on and wasn't really able to pay his friend attention and Torque went his own way to try and start a mercenary guild because he wanted to continue adventuring. What does your character want out of life after the adventure is completed? And for a lot of players, it might be to stick together and keep adventuring. For a lot of players, it might be it's time to move on, especially in a campaign where I'd say tragedy has happened a lot. I think of, I, I love Lord of the Rings, so I'll just give another Lord of the Rings one. I mean, tragedy happens to Frodo a lot. You have the shard of the sword that's still inside of him, still hurts him. He's seen a lot of stuff that he doesn't want to see. He's gone through a lot of pain with the ring. He's lost his finger. <laughs> he's lost so. his He's lost his finger. He isn't like, oh yeah, I'm more adventuring. His adventure wasn't like... Bilbo's before him, where Bilbo always had the wanderlust, the adventure lust. I afterwards. want to see the elves again. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have that about him. Yeah, he he wants to go off to the Grey Havens because he's he just is in so much pain from his adventure. And like, think about that when if you're a PC in a campaign, think about how that affected you. This adventure was it a good experience? Was it an experience with a lot of pain? And what does that mean for where your character goes afterwards? If you're a DM. That's something that you want to take into account, like with your PCs and and like see what they think about that. Well, I think, too, I mean, even if you decide to split up the party, that doesn't always mean that people aren't going to run into each other. No, exactly. Like we had we had Rix's wedding like that. We all went back for or you have, you know, and anything that can bring the party back together is a great I mean goodbye is never really fully goodbye in a fantasy world where somebody runs what's going to happen next you know there's always the possibility of coming back together and if you spent time adventuring and going through something that was monumentous in your lives hopefully your characters have built a friendship that will last and even if they split ways like you said with like a wedding or whatever they're going to want to come back together and see each other again just like friends do in real life they might part ways but if they've gone through something monumentous together they'll hopefully see each other yeah they're the type of people that whenever they come back to the area or you go out to that area you're like hey let's get together like let's have Mm -hmm. lunch or something like that like there, there are reasons why people get back together when they've gone through huge things in life yeah so there could be different ways that different things that bring them back together like chris said like a character getting married it could be a battle that threatens their land and so they see each other maybe in an army or whatever again it could be another adventure comes up maybe one of the characters finds out about an adventure they want to go in and just like we did in the Riders of Shemesh campaign, a letter was sent out to all the different corners of Shemesh to each of the adventurers, inviting them to come with each other on one last adventure. Rick sent out that letter to all of you guys, and all of you guys came and went on one final adventure. And, of course, it could also, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as well, but it could also be a death, whether that's a death of an NPC or a PC, that would be something that is big enough to bring the characters together again. As you think about this splitting of the party, like does your party split up? Think about, once again, think about classic stories and classic movies that show us examples of this. We've already talked about Lord of the Rings. The party does split ways. For some of them, 
a lot of them, they won't see each other again, and it's a sad moment because of where they're going. Star Wars. Think of the Star Wars movies. Think of the new Star Wars movie, Episode Seven. Like, we find out that Luke and Leia and Han, they split ways. They don't see each other for a long time, but they're being brought back together, some of them. Uh, <laughs> and then... <laughs> I mean, you can think of even movies like Harry Potter and the books Harry Potter. We see that the characters, they still live life together in the epilogue. And so really, I think epilogues are really all about the players, I would say. like they, It's a, it's a moment for people, like we've said, to, to have those last final moments with characters. And if your characters are anything like mine or like Mitch's or any of them that you've heard in story time, we tend to come across things in the the heat of the moment in the campaign that's like, oh, I wonder what would have happened if we could have done that. And so the, an epilogue is a time for callbacks to those types of things. So, for example, you can wrap up any PC unfinished business. So if a character came across, you know, this cave or whatever, that they were like, man, there's like this portal that leads to somewhere that we, di- that we didn't go through because it, it didn't have to do with the story that we were a part of. It could be a moment where you as the DM say, I haven't forgotten about you. There's this thing I remember that you wanted to do. You wanted to go through that portal to find out what was on the other side. This is your moment to go through that portal and find out what was on the other side. Or for Kruor, for example, wanting to go to Thessia and he gave that little kid his sword. He goes back in the epilogue and finally gets to go on that last mission with that kid to Thessia as like homage to his brother because his brother had passed away. And that was something they always wanted to do together. That was right off the bat. First campaign yeah. night, that was something you decided Kruer wanted to do. That's where Kruer was headed when he met up with the other characters and yep. kind of set him off on this other journey that led him away from Thessia. He want, yeah, At one point, he was on the border of Thessia, and he felt his heart pulling him towards Thessia. But it didn't enter into the adventure. And I think that's a big thing here is... A lot of the things that your PCs may have in their backstory, like I have a vengeance that I want to, I have, I want revenge on this person, or I want to fulfill this goal. It might not work with your adventure, and that's okay. And I think that's a, I think that is actually something that speaks to adventures because adventures a lot of the times are like a call to do something important and might take you away from your quote unquote life goals, right? And so with Kruor. I didn't want to just be like, oh, yeah, well, you know what, Chris, the Thessia thing, which I think we had worked on together, if I'm not mistaken. So it would have been a really messed up thing on my part if I was like, you know what, forget the Thessia thing. It doesn't work here. (laughs) But like the Thessia thing, if I had just like pushed that aside, Kuro would have always had that unfinished business. But this is something that is perfect for an epilogue night where you can like bring it back again and be like, let's play through that thing. And have that be this monumentous moment that happens in the end of the story, wrapping up your character. And I think, too, another thing to to think about is you meet a lot of people along the way. And they become these memorable NPCs that people always love. And they, you know, may or may not have seen for a while. And this is also a moment for these, you know, you're 20 years later after the end of your original campaign you now have a moment to meet this NPC, whether it's them calling you back for some reason or if it's, you know, you bump into them in a major city that you you weren't expecting to see each other for some reason. And it's like this, wait, am I seeing the right thing? Like, it, 
Yeah. It's like this weird moment where you're kind of like just both like doing double takes and then you finally realize who each other are. It's a great moment in time for players who may have forgotten about an NPC that they really liked or, you know, haven't seen them or thought they wouldn't see them again. Running into a favorite NPC of theirs can be a really cool moment for them. That it's like, oh, all right, we know they're okay. They're fine. We can now end this campaign in peace and harmony because we know that they're okay. I think for me, one of the greatest moments that can happen in an epilogue that is a, a perfect time for a callback is that return home for the PCs. Some of them may have a home that they left, whether willingly or unwillingly, families, whatever it is, returning to that home and playing that out with the characters. Like they return home to their families and maybe it's only been a year since they've been gone. Maybe it's been many years. And how does that affect things if they've gone through some some stuff that has been hard things like how do they relate now to their families can they relate to their families i don't want to keep using lord of the rings as a reference but that's just what's going on in my head with frodo and bilbo like when they come home they're forever changed and they aren't able to fit in as they did but they're still for some of them like the other hobbits returning home is such a like sam Returning home is the monumentous moment that he's been waiting for, and it has kept him fighting this entire time. Do they get married? Do they have children? If you want to set up something for, like, a future campaign, having children, maybe you have a PC who, a player who really doesn't want to let go of a PC. This can be something that can help them in a way to let go of a PC and be like, well, maybe next campaign you can play the son or the daughter of your PC because let's set it up that they they get married, they have kids. Wouldn't it be cool to be able to say you are blah, 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 the son of blah, 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 or whatever it is. So you could also have your characters, I mean, maybe they do return home and they get married and they have children, but then you can take it even a step further and you can go all the way to the end of their life. Because that is literally the end. I mean, you can't go any further with a character or a campaign <laughs> if the characters are dead. I mean, I so guess you that, could, but... Well, you could. You could. I mean, you <laughs> could play like... Episode, right? <laughs> yeah, it could be an adventure in whatever the, you know, the, the post-life world is in, yep. in your, in your made-up place. But so you could play to the end of characters. They, they die. That is a very, very real end to people's lives. And so, you know, there's the moment of how did they die? I mean, did they did they die in battle? That's a very easy way for people to die. And maybe it's they get to a certain point in time and their skills just aren't as good as they once were. And they're overtaken in battle. And that's the way that they end up passing away. And and one thing that I, I loved about the last campaign that I played in, the Riders of Shemesh campaign, is it was a moment, Mitch, for you to drop this huge future evil. Yeah. It was this moment where we're on, you know, we don't know it as Dragoncrest Island, but we're on Dragoncrest Island, and all of these dragons come popping out of the ground, and they say, it's time for Telvanni. Like, uh, we don't know what this is, but these things are pretty stinking evil, and they just killed a bunch of our friends. Like, it's a great time to drop a future evil in in that moment, because people don't forget about that. They killed one of your characters. 
it's also a time you guys at the end of that campaign fought three dragons and they were not baby dragons. They were crazy difficult dragons. And it was a time to drop in a higher than normal challenge rating than I normally would have done for like a battle with those characters. I think we we did boost you guys up quite a few yeah. levels at that point for the epilogue. But still, this was not a battle that I thought you could win. And that was the thing. Like we were dropping a future evil that can set up something for the future, but we still played through it and you still got to fight. And so in this moment, like it was a challenge rating so high that we weren't supposed to win this. Like I, I'm, well, I mean, you weren't the, the thought was between, I think all of us was, yeah, you're probably right, not going right. to win this. And so there was this moment of like, we're probably not going to win. But if we win, <laughs> if we win, yeah. <laughs> if they win like we did, don't use someone, if you've written out the history of your world, don't use someone that your history can't afford to lose. So say this person that comes out of the ground, namely this dragon, is somebody that the world can't lose. Make sure that they don't die, whether it's like they sprout up and they decide like, hey, they're not worth my time or whatever because they're getting too low in health. I have to still go do my thing. Use something that you can afford to lose that might hearken to some greater evil that's going on in this world or some greater event that's going on. Almost like a little bit of foreshadowing of something that is to come. Here's the thing. You need to be okay with letting go. Like, this happened to me with the Riders yeah, of Shemesh. All of the characters, except for Kruor, end up dying. And then Kruor had his god weapon that in the end finally worked and you got to tell this ancient dragon, Thraben the Ancient, what to do. <laughs> he, he totally got controlled by you and you made him attack other dragons to the point where the other dragons just murdered him alive. And so this was something that I, of course, did not expect. But if that happens, that's the thing. You need to be okay with letting go. This can change the future of your world you need to take be able to say good job players you did something i wasn't expecting and so if it's somebody that you can't lose because you're like no this is going to be the next campaign or i can't lose this guy because of the continuity then don't use him or at the very least don't set up a battle in which the players can't win it harkens back to that good bad and unkillable villains episode you don't want to set up a battle that the players absolutely cannot win so that it's basically like enemy has X amount of health and so they're just hitting and you're wasting time with your players. It can be a challenge rating that's so hard that it's like it's pretty much it's pretty much impossible. But even at that point, you don't want to set your players up for a really boring. This is the epilog night. You don't want to set them up for a boring last battle where it's just like, yeah, you guys are getting your butts kicked and you cannot defeat him because I will not let you. It can still be really challenging. The weights can be scaled towards the enemy because you're introducing some evil, evil villain. Well, it's really not much evil if it's not scaled in their favor. Like it's just kind of like, all yeah. right, it's done, it's over with. Like evil is supposed to be scary. Yeah, and I think you you need to once again, we talk about this all the time, but you need to understand know your players and are they going to be okay if they end in a battle 
in a blaze of glory. And and hopefully they will, because hopefully they will fully embrace this idea that this is epilogue night. We got to die sooner or later. So if you if you want to die old in your beds, we can do that. If you want to die in battle, then understand here is this battle. Which is kind of what we said for Karab. Like, that's how he would have wanted to go out. And in oh, my he campaign, he would have wanted to go out. Would have yep. much rather died in battle as a, as a sign of valor and, like, of strength. Than just being like, oh, I can't walk anymore. I'm just going to die in my bed. Like, that would have been sh- almost shameful to yeah. him. Any true follower of Cord has to die oh, yeah. in battle. That's It's kind of that Viking mentality of you need you need to die in battle. That's how that's how you die a glorious yes, death. But old age can be a really good way to end a campaign, yes. too. Because, it not. I mean, one thing to remember is that races don't, all die at the same age so you might have one race that lives longer than the other and one race that you know humans that live to be 75 and you have a friend who's an elf and now you're one of your really good friends you still have a hundred and some odd years left to live and your friend just just died of old age like how does that you know how can that be a very memorable moment it's kind of like counting down like all right there goes there goes joe oh you know, here's here's Bill. He just passed away. You know, here's this person. Here's this person. It's yeah. It's you get a moment in that time to recount what's happened in each of those person's lives, and that can be really really fun for you to look back as you're as you're standing over that person and talking about, hey, you remember when this guy saved my life from the gelatinous cube in the in the sewer, or you remember that time when he willingly jumped in front of that thing to to save the king's life or whatever, you know, crew or doing that type of thing. There's all of these memories that can can be flooding back into your players' minds at that moment that somebody dies of old age. Yeah, this is something that I really want our listeners to key in on, this whole idea of different ages for different races and different lifespans for them. Because this is honestly something that I think as players and as DMs, we don't a lot of the times really get into because it doesn't really come up in the story of an adventure that goes on for a year or three years or whatever because it's just where do the racial attributes matter? Well, it matters with like how they live their lives and what pluses and depending on what edition you're playing, minuses they get, what racial traits, whatever it is. But the age doesn't often really come into play with like oh you're you're getting to the point where you're about to die like kind of thing but in an epilogue night it's really really important if you have a group that's made up of a half orc a human a gnome a dwarf and an elf age longevity is going to really really matter because that half orc he's gonna live to at the oldest around 75 years old. The human is going to live the age that humans live. They're not going to get, if they're going to live to a ripe old age, it's probably going to be a, a century. But then you get into gnomes and dwarves are going to live possibly over 300 years. And then if you're an elf, you can live up to 750 years. That's a long time. <laughs> so, I mean, you need to also take into account how old are your characters when they begin the adventure together. But this is something that can have huge role-playing potential. If you have an elf in a group of other NPCs, they're going to live way beyond, way beyond human and half-orc years to the point where they're going to see them pass away and they haven't even really, if they're young, haven't even like started their life yet. And this is something that 
I think a lot of players will overlook when they begin the campaign of, oh, I'm, I'm a this race. And I know I don't even particularly off the top of my head. I think it's I think it's human longevity, but I'm not off the top of my head even sure what Goliaths lived to because that was something that didn't factor into my thinking of what kind of character do I want to play? But that may be something that really comes into play when it turns to the epilogue night. Rick's was at the point of like of being super old when we even finished our adventure. Yeah. It was like a lot of you were going to live much longer than Rick's was. And that's why you guys said one last adventure because Rick's was super, super, super old. And he had been granted long life from the gods. But as a Lapid, he still had a much shorter lifespan than the rest of you. Yeah, the you. hard part about that is, you know, you have these huge moments with people. And I don't think this is anything that most people think about. But for that elf, does these people that they adventured with, that like these were the huge moments for this human? Mm-hmm. Is that just a blip in the radar for yeah. the elf? Like, yeah. will they forget about this person? <laughs> You know, if they're like yep. 30, well, they forget about this person when they're 700 years old because of all the people that they've met, you know? Well, talking about cameos, too, like what if you meet that elf character in a future campaign where they it's like hundreds of years after that original adventure happened and like you meet him and he's just like, yes, I, I knew a half-orc once. I can't recall his name. Yeah. And then like, the person that's playing the half-orc is like screaming, yeah. it's, it's this, it's this, it's this. Yeah. But you're right, like, it might just be, it might have been a monumentous occasion for the half-orc, but the elf may have lived longer and even had even bigger things happen in his life. That's a a really good thing to bring up. Or the elf comes back and is like, hey, come on this adventure with me, and the dude's like, come on, man, I got a cane, like, I can't can't go with (laughs) you anymore, what are you thinking? Who are you? (laughs) Right, right, yeah. Yeah, so I think another thing, too, is not only thinking about the characters, but about the NPCs and when they die. I think of Wesley Wonders. We didn't do a funeral for him, but in that campaign, he was a pretty big deal. I mean, he was a pretty big yeah. NPC that that helped us through a lot of things that we were going through. And, and in that moment, we come to his NPC, and do we meet family of his? Do we meet friends of his? Are there family or friends of these? Were we the only people that he knew like these could be really, really big things that happen at an NPC's funeral. And it's a, it's a point in time for all of the players to come back and to think about like, we did some really cool things with him. It could be that moment where the party splits. And this is the thing that reunites him because this guy writes a letter that says, here's one last adventure or something like that. Or here's this thing that I learned about that you should go and investigate. Like NPC funerals can be used in a lot of, catalytic ways for your players in in a campaign epilogue night the one that sticks out for me is Kruor's parents Kruor gets back and it's 40 years has passed because of the the time they spent on other planes of existence is was different for them and they were wearing the rings that allowed them not to age and so he gets back and his parents are like on their deathbed and his brothers and sisters are older than him. And you got back and basically it was your parents had, quote unquote, wow, I can't believe they've even lasted this long. It was almost as if some divine hand was on them kind of thing. But you got back and you were able to be part of what in my world is halfling tradition of the living funeral. Yeah. Like you have a funeral before 
the cat the person dies because you they want to be able to hear what everybody says about them and i remember like you giving a a speech at a eulogy at your father's funeral your father's living funeral and like that'll forever be like in my mind like i remember that as being like an emotional moment and i i love the idea of being able to do npc funerals and being able to pay homage to npcs that mean a lot to characters and and once again that was another callback because we never actually even met your parents in this campaign as you say they weren't really npcs they were just yeah. people that we had talked about they yeah. were npcs that existed but yeah they were never actually role play yeah. through but of course they were important to your character and thus to you and so it would matter if they were about to die and so that was a, a great way to end that as well yeah. Another thing that's even more important, I would say, to NPCs is taking into account the age of different races. You you may role play through a PC's funeral if you have a half orc that's going to die earlier than the humans or earlier than the dwarves or the elves. You may hold a, a funeral for that PC, and we talked about early on how this is the final goodbye that you will have as a player in an epilogue night with your PC, but it's also the final time that the other players will have with their fellow PCs. And so this is, to me, this just opens up a fantastic opportunity to allow players to say goodbye to PCs that their friends were playing, that they've hopefully latched onto, and to give eulogies and pay homage to the adventure that they've played together with them in game sometimes when a character dies funerals are really hard to do on the spot because it's like oh my gosh like he just got burned alive by a big red dragon like what do we do i think of brand your your buffalo kin Mm -hmm. and it was just like this moment where people were like uh, what do we, like, how are we supposed to feel in this moment? It was really yeah. early on in the campaign, like, it was so sudden. But then you get to the end of the campaign, and you have, I think, once again, what makes these funerals so powerful is you have all of these memories that you've made with your friends at the table mm-hmm. that were playing this character, and it's, like, it's the final goodbye. Like, it, it, it's almost like you're attending an actual funeral even though you're you're not but you it you have those same sorts of emotions going through in your head because you think back to all of the fun memories that you've created with this character and funerals are so so powerful in a role playing setting that we we can't ignore them if you're going to play to the old age and if you embrace the idea of an epilogue night and you play multiple epilogue nights i mean it's obviously going to take time with different campaigns but if you do it more than once you'll cultivate an atmosphere with your players hopefully that will make them go oh yeah another epilogue night i remember how epilogue nights have gone in the past i am coming to the table prepared to have the story wrapped up to have my player character story wrapped up, to have other PC stories wrapped up. And hopefully they come to the table with that sense of like, this is something that maybe there will be funerals and I am ready to role play through that. I know for me, like when next time we have a epilogue night in your campaign, I will, I will come to the table prepared for 
emotional role-playing with Karab, the moment that always will stick out in my mind, and it isn't a funeral, but is Karab sitting at the table with Martin in your epilogue night and telling Martin, who is going to live for thousands of years, and I am just a human who is going to live for a normal amount of years, and, and Martin is just sticking around doing the normal running a business stuff. Hey, you have better stuff to do. I'm your friend. Of course I want to see you. But you have bigger fish to fry. It's time for you to move on. And I didn't think of it this way when I was role-playing through that. But it's totally the Ben Affleck like moment with Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting <laughs> of like, if yeah. you're here tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. I will punch you in the gut. <laughs> like You have bigger things to do. Yeah. But those moments... If you cultivate an atmosphere where your players are embracing and you're embracing epilogue nights, they'll come to the table hopefully ready for a PC funeral, a moment of vulnerability where you can have between each other. And and if you can do that with your players and if you can lead the way and show them how to do that, I think you're going to have role-playing moments that are just super memorable for the rest of your lives. Well, and I think that too points to the next thing that we want to talk about is happy endings versus tragic endings. Like in that moment with Karab, that was a very, I, I would say a very tragic moment for you guys. Like it's not like tragedy, like somebody dying, but it's that moment where it's like, oh, we're both realizing we're never going to see each other again. Like that is, that's hard. Like if you've ever had a mm -hmm. friend move away, that's one of the hardest things to deal with is, is somebody leaving and you don't know the next time you're going to see them. But at the same time, you're saying, no, you you have better things to do. They're they're wishing you well. It's it's a happy ending in the midst of that tragedy. And so when we talk about happy endings versus tragic endings, the biggest thing to remember in this is you have to know your players because some players will thrive in the happy ending. Like they want it, you know, they want it all wrapped up with the bow because that's that's very happy for them. That they want that. And some players they really love the tragic ending. Mitch, I think of you, like you've talked multiple times about tragic tragedy. endings, but they're not just tragedy for the sake of tragedy. So I think that when you're DMing and when you're playing, I think the benefit of happy endings, we don't need to really go into the pros of happy endings. Like it's pretty apparent they're happy endings. Like people like happy endings. And so your PC is having happy endings. Of course, there's pros to that and there's good things to that. The benefit of tragic endings with your players is that it can set up something to be very, very thought-provoking. Another thing is that tragic endings add a little bit more of realism to your world. Like, not every story ends with a happy ending. Like, you can. You can. If you like happy endings, you can have a fantasy world because that's what it is. We're playing fantasy. That's okay. You can have happy endings all around. That's fine. But if you want to add more realism to your world, tragic endings are – they happen. And I will also totally argue that tragic endings can have huge role-playing opportunity for players. I think of Grouthoof in my campaign with being shunned by his people, leaving his people, and them basically saying we're not going to follow our god the way that – our God wants us to follow him. We're going to follow tradition over our God. That was a very thought-provoking, amazing role-playing opportunity, tragic ending that 
Caleb, Paladin Caleb, Caleb in the moment was frustrated with, but he loves it. And he's like, yeah, I understand it. We put him he, through a un- lot of... Unfortunately, yeah, in your campaign, he went through the same thing with <laughs> yeah. the responsibility being laid on him of Ernie becoming a black and red dragon. And he didn't necessarily want it. And Martin didn't necessarily want the Phoenix power being bestowed upon him. And I love that end of your campaign where both two players out of the four had this moment of this is a power. It's that Spider-Man of great power brings great responsibility. And that wasn't a responsibility they wanted for their characters. But watching them struggle and, and flourish in those moments. Yeah, Caleb said over and over like, this is so cool. I'm a yeah. black and red yeah. dragon, <laughs> but this stinks because yeah. I'm a black and red dragon. Like he had the responsibility of restarting the race of the dragons in the world of Pantheon. Like that's yeah, I I love tragedy because it can create those role playing moments, and happiness can create great role playing moments too. But I think in the midst of both of those stories that we shared, there's this moment of maybe there's a mix of the two that can be mm-hmm. a good middle ground. Because as we know in, in all of life, the reason that we have the emotional connection we do to a lot of moments is that there's a lot of tragedy in moments that we're connected to. And yet out of a lot of those tragedies, I can think of multiple ones in my life, there was a lot of happiness that came or a lot of happy moments that came after that because we went through those types of things. And so I think when we think about epilogue nights, possibly try to work in an element of both if your players want a little bit more happy ending try throwing in just a taste of tragedy if they want more tragic endings try throwing in a little bit of that happiness where it's all tied up for them at the end i think i think the best option is probably a mix of the two that your players will really really enjoy and remember those campaigns for a long time to come yeah the best option is totally both and and realize too what we mean by tragic endings. Tragic endings does not mean I am going to completely mess up this character's whole idea of what his character is. It doesn't mean that, you know what would be great is everything went bad for this character and he got nothing that he wanted. He ends his life with being stabbed in a back alley by some commoners, even though he's a level 20 and I'm not even going to let him roll for it. He's just going to just, it's going to be tragic with his wife and his kid sees it. And then he turns into Batman in your world. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But like, here's the thing. Don't let tragic endings become punishment for nothing. Or even if there is a reason that you as the DM are like, I want to punish this guy, that's not a good DM. Don't do that. (laughs) That's not what tragic endings are. That's not what we mean. Tragic endings should be there because they're meaningful and they're thought-provoking and there are opportunities that you as a DM are doing not as a form of being mean or being the DM who likes to drop rocks on players, not as a form of punishment, but because you as the DM are trying to give your characters role-playing opportunities and your players role-playing opportunities. I will fully state that our group, I'm really proud of our group with how they react to tragedy in campaigns, but that wasn't always the way that they were, and there were moments that there were growing pains in this process of as a group of our players not always being like, oh, we're always getting what we want, in which I have always loved tragedy, and I had to go through some growing pains with the group of like, oh, they didn't like that I did that to them, and they're mad at me right now. 
But hopefully, and a lot of times it was a couple days afterwards, they'd go, no, I kind of like that now. And man, does that change the way that my character was and that he was thinking. And it, it may be a process. And it's all about going about it in the right way. And the right way is not coming at it from a spiteful, vengeful way as a DM. That is not what tragic endings are. And that is not what we're talking about. Do not do that. And if that's <laughs> where you're leaning towards, just do a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing to think about, too, as we go into these epilogue nights is how in the world do we begin to prepare for these types of nights? And so I think for some of us, I I know I've over the course of this campaign that I'm doing now have been taking notes of some of the plot hooks, you know, the callbacks and, you know, NPCs that you guys might want to go back and think about. But there are other ways that you can help yourself in preparing the epilogue night, because the reality is this night is is mostly about the characters. I think every night is really about the characters, but more than any other night, I think this night is really a moment for these characters to, sh- to shine. And so how do we prepare? I think you ask your players what they see their characters doing post-conclusion of your campaign. Like, if the campaign were to end, say, in a battle and they have to travel home, what would what would they do next? What would be their next move? You know, for Kruor, that was setting up shop where his parents worked for a long time. That was what he was going to do for a really long time. Was okay with that. The biggest thing is, is you can really help yourself out by asking your players what you see them doing because they'll give you the ideas. They have the best connection with their character, more so than what you have. They'll know what they want their characters to do next. They'll know what they, they should do. So just ask them. They'll, they'll give you plenty of fodder to use for great stories in the epilogue nights. Yeah, when you finish that goal in your campaign, have that night end and say, And next week or the next two weeks or whenever you're playing next, we're playing our epilogue night. And then talk to your players about where their characters are after this adventure and where they they see themselves going. And it it harkens back to our episode with DM Reed from Sneak Attack Podcast. Like you want to be in talk with your players about who their characters are and what their process of growth is and their character development is. You can even like ask questions that maybe they haven't thought about. It is not you saying, listen, this happened to your PC, and so you have to start going down this route. No, you're not in charge of their PC, but you can ask questions like, hey, I'm wondering, uh, so this happened, like in the Voyage of the Ending Sea. So Captain Garzak was introduced to this moment where the captain of the other ship wants to eat these women of the sea monsters. Is it cannibalism? What is Captain Garzag going through? As a PC, your character Sanjan has no idea this happened, but I've asked you, Chris, like, well, how would have Sanjan acted? And it, it was very much what I thought it would have been. But, like, moments of, like, how does how does this affect Sanjan in this campaign? What is his thought process? Is he Is he starting to, like, lose faith? Like, what is it? And, like, asking your players about what their PCs are going through can help you understand them and can help your players start to move towards an idea of characters should go through character development and should change. And that's going to help you prepare because if you know the the PCs and the players and what they're looking for in the end, that's going to help you set up a, a good story of, hmm, okay, I know that they want this to happen. And now you can take their ideas and give them merit and work on the best ending you can. It doesn't mean that they have to get everything they want, 
But if they're not getting what they want, what is the alternative and what what happens with the NPCs? Why is it different? Why did, did the world change to a point where they can't get what they want? But what does that mean? What story happens in place of that that still pays homage to the PC of who they are that they can role play through? And I think, too, when they give you these ideas, they're giving you those ideas for a reason. Like These are things that your characters potentially want to see themselves walk through. And so I think the biggest thing that we can do, and, and I know I know some people love improv and I have nothing wrong with improving things, but I think on epilogue nights, I would almost lean more towards being overly prepared mm-hmm. with the flexibility of saying this is what could possibly happen. You know, we can change things on the fly, obviously, but I think you're doing yourself a really big service if you can prepare and prepare really, really well because this is the last hurrah for some of these yeah. players. Like this is their last moments that they're going to get to play with these, these characters. So prepare, they've given you these ideas and to make sure you're giving them the merit and, and showing respect to your players. I, I, I would highly recommend preparing as much as possible for this night. It's a pretty big deal for your players. And, and if you can prepare one of these really, really well, you've already hooked players in for life. I mean, I think of people that have possibly left campaigns. It could have been, their DMs didn't show them the respect that they needed for their ideas. And so I just say in this moment, just prepare as much as you can for the, for the benefit of your players loving how this campaign went and how it Mm -hmm. wrapped up. Yeah. Like you said, Chris, this is, this is when they're saying goodbye to their PCs, but this is also the last time they will play in this story that you have helped with them weave. This is your campaign's swan song. And so you want this to be a good last moment with your players. You want them to remember this campaign fondly. And the last night is going to be huge in what they remember. This is going to be the last time they play. So prepare. Don't be caught off guard in a sense of this epilogue night stunk because you came to the table with nothing and no plan. And it showed you will have opportunities i promise to improv in this night because your players even in an epilogue that you've talked to them about will do things that you weren't expecting but coming to the table with nothing chris and i would both say make sure to be prepared this is the swan song of your campaign the last thing we want to talk about with epilogues is an epilogue is also the best place i would say to set up for the quote-unquote sequel or just setting up for a future with your D&D world. So the first thing with this is that this is a great place to set up for the future cameo of PCs. We talked about the age of characters. We talked about like the elf going on living. Take that into account and go, hmm, I can have this PC because of their age show up in the future. The knowledge you have from where a PC ends in the story will also help you bring them out in the future. You don't have to then go and like in the next campaign you play, if you're just going in a linear timeline through your world, you don't have to go like, ah, like let me take more time and figure out what happened with this character. No, you've played through it you know, and you're going to remember that hopefully. And so that'll, it'll make sense when you go to a certain land that a character became the king of, that'll be in the history books because you, you did that in your epilogue. 
Kruor said that he wanted to write a book about his journey to Havana. And so there is a book written by Kruor in my world about the journey to Havana, which has led a lot of people in the world of Atos to develop their their theology of what the afterlife is. That's nice. something that you can set up in your world and you should take you should take note of what happens with the PCs and it's something that people love it when you bring back cameos of their PCs, whether it's something small like a book or the character actually showing up. I feel like my characters write lots of books because that's kind of what Sajan <laughs> is doing now. He's like uh, writing the philosophy of how he thinks people should live life. <laughs> that's just because, Chris, you want like everything in my world to have like an origin story <laughs> with your characters. <laughs> what? No, Bastion Windsailor wasn't named by Kruor. Uh, but I about? mean, look, I mean, Riders of Shemesh is a huge one, right? Like in, oh, yeah. in my world, the Riders of Shemesh, like that was something you started, but that was not something that ended with Kruor's death. And we played through that, you passing on the mask. And where does the Riders of Shemesh end up? Like seeing them throughout history, like that'll be something that I will definitely bring back the Riders of Shemesh in the future. Yeah, because that wasn't something that was just, I mean, yes, I had the idea to start. I don't even know mm-hmm. where that idea came from, but it was something that everybody got invested in. I think that idea, Chris, just came from you getting a amount and just being goofy one day and being like, <laughs> let's get leather jackets. We're going to yeah. start a writer's gang. That's but right. then it turned into something. It's it's great when a goofy idea that you, you just laugh about turns into something huge like that. Yeah. I'm super excited too in your world too. Like I'm, I'm waiting for the moment that we meet Martin the Phoenix, like whether it's in this campaign or another campaign, like I fully expect to see a cameo from Ernie the Dragon as an NPC or Martin in the future because you set that up for their PCs to live a long time. Yeah. We, at the very least, we're going to hear about them like through through the passing of a story or something. I have no doubt. And the reality is, is you guys know where Martin is. Like you yeah. witnessed where he became the Phoenix. So you know relatively like what city he's in. So it's like if we ever go back to that country, yeah. there's going to be that moment where people are like, oh man, are we going to see Martin again? Are we in a timeline where he's still the Phoenix? Or, you know, okay, we find this new dragon. Well, maybe we'll end up seeing Ernie again. Like that would that would be fun. It's not so much a moment where your characters know who this person is. It's like you're throwing back things to your players to keep them hooked yeah. in. And those are great, great moments for them. Magloth probably has no idea who Martin the Phoenix is, <laughs> but other PCs in, in our campaign right now, the Solarian Islands, probably have heard if Martin is the Phoenix at this moment of Martin. But there's no reason for them to go, <gasps> Martin! Right. And if we meet him, there's no reason for them, besides the fact that they're meeting a Phoenix, to go, <gasps> Martin! But as a player, if that were to happen, that would be the response that we some of us would have, especially if that was your PC in Casey's, oh, in yeah. Casey's set, case. Yeah. Casey's case. Casey's case, yes, yes. I think one thing that I love about this idea of setting up for a sequel is you you essentially are setting it up like every movie has when they want there to be another sequel. You set it up, for example, with your campaign. We didn't end up taking the hook. We probably will in the future, but there was this moment where you said, oh, tell Vani, like this is this big deal. You can set it up by introducing a situation or an NPC or a villain who who's gotten their hooks into your players and saying, hey, here's this next idea that we can take and run with. And so 
for you, that was that was the Dragon Wars in your world or, or Telvani, whatever yep. that was going to end up being. And that's a great way for people. I mean, that's why people love sequels, right? Like at the end of the first movie, it's like, okay, what what was that? <laughs> what else? <laughs> what else is there? Well, we kind of want to wander over there and, and see what happens or see where it played out 30 or 40, 40 years from now. So, yeah, even if you introduce a little NPC, like, you know, whatever his name is or her name is, and then beginning of the next campaign, here's this person that they're like, wait a minute, we've heard this name before. That's who that was. That's right. We we remember that from our last campaign. And instantly they're like, well, we want to get to know them because for whatever reason, DM Mitch decided to throw them in at the end of the campaign. Now we're finding out why this person was a big deal. And then the last thing I want to say is if you are, like me, a movie lover, and if you can embrace the idea of like a story being like a movie, and if you like the whole, and then it fades to black and it comes back, you can even add, like a good Marvel movie does, a post-credit scene into your campaign or the last the very last thing you do is you add a scene that hints to something or maybe it doesn't even make sense to the players but it's something that hints to the lore of your world or brings back something from the very beginning of the campaign you just played that people had even forgot about or sets it up for something to happen in the future the post-credit scene which most of you guys have probably forgotten about from the sons of bastion was bastion yeah okay good you remember yeah bastion showing up on a hilltop with a tree and he has the sword of bokob which you as cluric drove it into karth stromdell and then he fell off the tower and you beat the big bad with the sword of Bokob. At the end, Bastion Windsailor is on a hill with a tree and there's an anvil there with two other swords in it. And he takes the sword and he drives it into the anvil. And that's where he left off with a post-credit scene. And I love post-credit scenes in movies, so I'm like, I'm adding them into my campaigns, darn it. And that, to all of you players, is just like, okay, what the heck is that? And maybe you guys have theories on it. Maybe some of you have totally forgotten about it. But it sets it up for lore in the future and possibly even a story in the future. I mean, really, if you want to go so far, your characters have packed up all their stuff. They're walking out the door and you say, wait, 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 the music's starting back up. Come back in here. Got one more thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> As many people in theaters do. <laughs> Fade to black. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. See you guys next time. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's our talk about epilogues. We hope that this is something that you embrace and want to do in the future with one or all of your campaigns. Really, I cannot stress enough how much I love the idea of epilogues. It has brought about such great sequences and scenes with and, and role-playing opportunities in for both of my and Chris's epilogue nights. They just stick out in my mind so much. Give it a try. Let us know how it goes as well. So that's all we have for you for this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation about epilogues. We hope that you consider using them. You can go and email us a story about an epilogue that you've done or a possible idea that you have for an epilogue at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Send us all of your stories. We'll return them as quickly as we can. We also, if you wouldn't mind, head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. That helps people know that we're actually worth listening to. Uh, So head over there, leave us a five-star review, and you'll get a shout-out on a future episode. And you can find us on various other podcast apps as well, Podcast Addict and Stitcher. So check us out there. 
You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places will bring updates about the show, when shows drop, as well as D&D information and memes. We have a Patreon member shout-out this week, and this week's Patreon member is... Michael Spreadman. Thank you so much, Michael. We appreciate your donation to our podcast so much. Michael is a dreaded silver dragon, so... Fear the shine that comes off of his wings as he flies over your heads. Fear him. Yes, thank you so much, Michael. Thank you so much. So that's what we have for you this week on the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the people at the table. Have a good night, everyone. And keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.